Searching for a research partner to handle the details of your next qualitative project? When we say fieldwork can handle it all, we mean it. From world-class facilities to low-incidence recruitment, their team of experts handles the details so you can stay focused on the research. Say goodbye to traditional focus group rooms and recruitment tactics. As market research has grown from the standard focus group to incorporate other innovative methodologies and technologies, fieldwork has expanded along with it. With facilities nationwide and sophisticated global recruitment services, their detail-oriented staff partners with you to achieve great insights. Focus on the research. Fieldwork will do the rest. Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I am Priscilla McKinney, the Mama Bird and CEO here with you as always. I have one of my friends, kind of one of my besties here. I do love me some field work. And if you follow me on LinkedIn, that will come as no surprise to you. But I have asked one of the presidents of field work to come join me because I have some very specific questions about what happens in market research specific to service. And I could not think of anyone better than Adrian to join me. So I have Adrian Whitmore. She is the president of the Seattle location. She's been with Fieldwork for over two decades. And let me just tell you, if you know anything about Fieldwork, that's not uncommon. They have very, very long tenure and Almost everybody that is a president has worked themselves up from one of the very first jobs at field work. And that, I think, is what makes the culture so unique. But she has done everything there from recruiting to managing the database. And it's so cool because then she understands every part of it. And so now, as the president of Fieldwork Seattle, it really helps her be able to jump in anywhere she's needed. But I'll tell you a kind of a fun fact about her is that she has two chihuahuas, Lola and Roman. So if you are are a chihuahua lover, you probably want to connect with her. For me, she's a shoe lover. So that's enough for me. I'm all good with that. So Adrian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Priscilla. I'm thrilled to be here. Appreciate you having me. You and I do like to chitty chat about some fun things on LinkedIn. So this is now us having to do some work. (laughs) And side note, we've actually added a golden retriever to the Chihuahua Mafia as well. His name is Bronx and you will occasionally see him appear on LinkedIn and other social medias. So watch for him. Oh my gosh. Oh, how do you do this? You've got two little ones and then a golden retriever now? Yeah. And the smallest one is definitely in charge. Oh, like what goes on with the three of them? I got to hear a little bit of how that works. Oh, man. Well, Bronx the Golden wants to be everybody's friend. And Lola, the senior citizen and head of the Chihuahua Mafia, clocks in at about three pounds and 13 years old. So you will find her most of the time in my master bedroom closet among the shoes. Okay, well, please post a picture of your Chihuahua if you have one and you're listening to this episode. We definitely want to, number one, know their name. And I, because I mean, every time I meet a Chihuahua, it's always a crazy name. I have a neighbor that has a Chihuahua. He carries around literally everywhere he goes. And that's named Chica. And then my other neighbor had one named Pepe. It's just, I never seem to meet a Chihuahua that has a normal name like Sam or Fido. It's always like Mr. Peabody or something like that. Yeah. I met one named uh, Captain Underpants once from a child's book. So we'd love to know. Let us know. 
Okay. Well, I guess it's like small dogs, big personality, but I wanted to talk today about this whole idea of client relationships and people give a lot of lip service to this in every single industry in business. But I asked around in market research about who I should talk to. Who do people think like really exemplify this nurturing wisdom about how to really take care of a really long and important client relationship. And your name came up over and over again. So I'm going to kick it off with that and just say, Adrian, you're known for keeping really good client relationships. What, what's your secret? What's your whole mindset going into relationships with clients? I'm flattered. Thank you. Yes. So I think that that's a great question. And First and foremost, I would say be a friend and just remember at the end of the day that you're really in this together and the goal is mutual. I have to say I work with a lot of people and I think Gildor is really known for this, but if you believe in it as a partnership and not a transactional relationship, and just remember that under the banner of companies and brands, humans really work with other humans and who doesn't want to work with somebody who's a friend to them. Hmm. So when you say that though, you have worked with a lot of clients over 20 years, but what would you say to someone who's really just met this new client? How do you start brokering that friendship and still keep it professional? What's some of your secrets to that? Yeah. I mean, I think every relationship and every person has kind of like a different temperature on that. So I think that you can be the person who makes that relationship and that whatever your working relationship with that client or that person is like, make it easy. I think there are, for us, there are a lot of obstacles that can come up during the research process, anywhere from recruiting to the day of. And I just like make it uncomplicated, let them know that you have their back, be helpful, always be helping. So they're a phone person, just hop on the phone. If they prefer to connect via Zoom, be the person, like set up the link, send it to them, let them have it handy. And I think often just making sure that you're looking out for their blind spots. I think often we sit in a position where we have a different vantage point to the successful execution. So when they think that you have their back, you know, trust goes a long way. And I think just take it from there. If you're lucky enough to work with the same clients over and over, that'll kind of naturally lend itself. But look at it, see it as more than just one touch point or one project or going through the motions. And I think it'll go a long way. Well, that really does take a lot of preparation because what you're saying is kind of anticipate the needs. So how do you help your team do that in Seattle? What's the thinking and what are the motivation talks that you give them for that? Oh, man, I don't know that I'm necessarily the one always motivating. They do a lot of that among themselves and for me as well. But I think just making sure that we're listening. I think sometimes on paper, the pain point of the problem can look a lot different than what it actually is when you just take a step back and and listen and that there might be another way around that or to the end goal. Mm. So this kind of rigid thinking, I don't hear a lot in field work because you guys seem to be like, I don't know, how can we do this? So let's figure it out. Like, It seems like there's just a lot of flexibility in the way that you come at problems. So let's get a little bit more granular about this because I wanted to talk with you specifically about that idea of service and client management, but in research, because You guys could be doing a million different things. You have different industries walking in your door any given day. You have so much confidentiality you're maintaining in your facilities and serving clients. So when you think specifically about market research and how you're enabling and supporting that, what do you think is so different about this industry as it relates to client management? 
Man, yeah. Well, in our industry and specifically in our position as provider of recruiting and hosting qualitative market research, there's definitely a lot of pieces and every project is different. There is no, you know, there's some things that you always do, but it's going to look different every time around. So just really paying attention and being cognizant of all the little pieces that are moving. I think details matter. Mm. Tell my audience a little bit about some of the details that you handle, because people may not be completely familiar with what you do at Fieldwork. What are those details that just can't fall through the cracks? Yeah, I mean, it can be on the recruiting side, how respondents qualify. Sometimes we are provided materials that we have the opportunity to take a look at and say, oh, that in my market doesn't exist, or you need to take these extra steps at the facility level, you know, day of, we're doing in-person research. And that means we're working with other humans, whether they're coming in to participate or they are the person in charge of conducting that research or sitting in the back room. So it can be a juggle, but I think just check in, make sure that you are prepared and proactive. And again, look, listen, ask what they need, and then just go from there. I love it. So to me, that has a lot to do with the culture you've created. And as the president there at Seattle, What do you think is so different about the fieldwork culture? (laughs) You just feel it when you walk in, to be perfectly honest, and can talk with people in different facilities. And I have over many years, but it is a culture thing and it is a top-down thing. So what is the secret sauce at, at fieldwork anyway? Yeah, I think that we all have kind of permission to flex that muscle in the moment of whatever needs to happen again. And there's not just a set of rules. You have to do this and you have to do that. You have to be adaptable and every day is going to throw you something different. So I think that service is really an end-to-end experience. And that sets one research project apart from another field work. The genuine comfort and care of our guests is a priority. We have a very diverse client base, as you mentioned, and they have ever-evolving needs. So service for us is really reflected in being prepared, proactive, and but also being able to juggle think that service is necessarily limited to research, but for fieldwork, it's responsible really for representing our brand intentions and our interactions. And it also really defines our client and respondent and staff experiences. It allows us to be hospitable, for lack Mm. of a word, and this, but we really strive to be helpers internally and externally because it enables us to provide the handrails to get all of the parties involved through their part of the process seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like I said, at the beginning, you have been with fieldwork for over 20 years. So When you think about your different roles, can you reflect on that a little bit? Do you feel like that's just what's really fueling your ability to really help your clients in any given moment because you've kind of seen the gamut? Oh, for sure. You know, I've done probably every role that exists within fieldwork. So I think I can really take a look at any of those positions or the way that we're working together, both internally and externally, and kind of have a background in what that looks like and what that means and where, you know, challenges and opportunities may exist. Hmm. The one that I think is the most interesting position that you held was the recruiter supervisor. And I think this would actually be the hardest job because (laughs) I really think in the market research industry, if you break it down, first of all, getting really good people to go face to face and really be engaged and tell you really great insights about your product or your service, the quality of that person really makes the quality of the whole study, in my opinion. But then, so you think, okay, well, quality of the person. So then you have people who are recruiting it. But as the recruiting supervisor, to me, that seems like the hardest position to be constantly motivating and training and enabling and empowering a team of recruiters to get those right people. 
did you find that to be the hardest job you've done or do you have a completely different take on on that? Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of years since I've sat directly in that role. I think it's a little bit different now too, but I think inevitably you're dealing with people that sometimes can feel under the gun or trying to get projects turned around quickly. But I think just encouraging them, we're provided screeners or we create screeners that are very specific. So I think just managing that they're asking all the right questions, they're validating people, field work. We have some standards in terms of checkpoints that go along with recruiting and validating, confirming, making sure, again, it's multiple touches that get the right respondent into the right room on the right day at the right time. So, right. Oh my gosh, the moving parts that you guys have. I just, many, many. <laughs> must be crazy. Okay. So now as the president, really, the client relationships you're maintaining are either the end client, the end company who's coming directly to field work, either for recruiting or to host at the facility. But you're also client management as a lot of other market research firms that are using you. So now you're really dealing with the people who are asking all the questions and doing the moderating or conducting the research directly. So kind of want to give you this phrase that I hear a lot of people say, and I'm wondering if you agree or disagree with it or how you might kind of reconstruct it that best exemplifies, I think, what you do. But a lot of people talk about customer services under-promising and over-delivering. Do you think that is a good way of looking at things or do you think it misses the mark? I mean, this might be polarizing, but I'm going to say I completely disagree with that thought and that sentiment. I think that well-managed expectations avoid disappointment. And my recommendation would be to have a high bar to start with, but promise what you're able to deliver and then always aim to exceed expectations. I think that if you're playing down your ability or deliverable from the start, that comes at a cost as well. I think that if you're aiming low, your over-delivery is likely mediocre. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I would totally agree with that. And I think in terms of setting the standards and being, you have to then really know the power of your team. Like, can you get this done? So how do you feel about that at Seattle and having worked your entire career through different facilities and now leading the Seattle team? Yeah. I mean, I work with people who work really hard and who are really honest with where they're at and their capacity. And we balance and check things like available hours and pace at which projects are moving. So we always try to stay a couple of steps ahead when we're promising clients deadlines or when they're picking dates of what's realistic. I think there's always again, an opportunity to exceed those expectations. And that's not to be said, you know, that sometimes things can't be done in a pinch, but I think we just really try to be realistic and manage those expectations. I think that we've all found ourselves in situations, whether it's work-wise or personal or travel, you know, whatever, where you've had an unmet expectation. And I think that's even more difficult when it's something that somebody's promised you rather than something that you kind of like made up in your own head, which I'm certainly (laughs) guilty of. But I think it can be really frustrating when you are under-delivered, which I think often can come from that sentiment. So, Oh, man, I totally agree. So just to wrap this idea of client management and really high-end customer service up, as the president of an actual facility, what's the thing that really surprises you or keeps you on your toes as the president? Great question. So I will say that I am always surprised at how quickly things can change. Day-to-day, project by project, moment by moment, that never ceases to amaze me and surprise me all at once. Is that the end clients are changing what they're doing or they're learning something new or their timetables get crunched? What do you mean? Like, how is what you're being asked to deliver getting changed? Oh, that can be, I mean, all of those things, right? Like all of a sudden they've 
conducted their research in the first of three markets and they've learned something unexpected and the entire scope of a project has changed. And so now you're refielding and chasing something that you weren't expecting. That can be, you know, when you hit a recruiting stall and you're just trying to get that project to budge and you've spent days that you're like, oh my gosh, is this going to get done? And then you just have a breakthrough. You're full, your client's happy, research was successful, but there was those uh, few minutes where you're like, oh my goodness, are we going to make it? Those are few and far between, but I always find myself like surprised once again, I mean, almost 23 years later, like in those moments. And then you're like, oh, ha, ha, of course. <laughs> Is that what it's like with the team that you just feel that like, possible. you know, the team just breathes a big sigh of relief that you made it once again through a massive change? <laughs> I think sometimes they look at me and they're like, we told you so. Like <laughs> they're, I think, less surprised. They're so agile. I'm so lucky. They work hard. They support one another. They're always there to, you know, drag each other through the finish line as well. I love it. I love it. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for telling us a little bit about the magic that you work over there in Seattle. And we hope we'll see you at uh, one of the market research conferences. I know you have to get away every once in a while from those three dogs. That's right. If you don't see me, you'll definitely see one of my colleagues. And not if you're in Seattle, we're open. All of our offices are open. We're doing face-to-face market research. So you can find me there. You can also find me on LinkedIn. And if you're not already following the hashtag face-to-face MRX, do that. You might see Bronx and you might see uh, some of the other exciting stuff that's going on with that. Okay. Well, we need to see Roman and Lola. So definitely post them here. Sure. (laughs) If you can get them together. All right. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. And from all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.